Well, this is the time of year when we begin to think about things like turkey or stuffing or pumpkin pie. And maybe your minds and your hearts uh, think about family gatherings and all the details or maybe even altered details that this year that go along with that and football, especially if you're a Lions or a Cowboys fan. And of course, probably the greatest gift of Thanksgiving a nap on the couch in the afternoon. If you're anything like me, it also tends to be a time where because of the focus on Thanksgiving that I tend to think a little bit about the blessings and the things to be thankful for from the past year. And as we do that this year, the reality is, is just like Matt mentioned, that things are different this year. That Thanksgiving is a little bit different, that this year has been more difficult than many years in the past. And I think as we get to Thanksgiving, there can be different emotions that we're feeling. Maybe it's not just thankful, but it's also a feeling of disappointment or frustration or exhaustion or sadness. And if you're feeling any of those emotions, I don't want you to be too hard on yourself. It's understandable. It's almost like you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel some of those things. But with that said, I guess because of the circumstances of this year, it means that this series called Thankful, Full of Thanks, becomes even more important than, in my mind, any other year. You see, we still have things to be thankful for. And in fact, the Bible says this. Matt quoted this last week as well. It tells us in, a, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. You and I, right now, in this year, in this moment, whatever that moment might look like, have things to be thankful for. I did a, a study in the Greek, and there was no footnote there that said, all except worldwide pandemics and presidential election years. All means all. And that can be hard to do. That's why, again, this series is so important. And last week, uh, in the progression of this series, we got started by taking a look at the fact that you have things to be thankful for. It's so true. Um, put it this way, you have reasons to be full of thanks. And we looked at that through the lens of contentment. One of the things that rips away our thanks is comparison. Whether that be comparing what we have or what we don't have with the people online or the neighbor next to us or whatever it might be, or even comparing how this year is going with other years, the thief of joy is comparison. And we looked at this powerful statement last week. It goes like this, that true contentment depends on a person, not a condition. You see, there's always going to be more that we could have. 
There's always a, a next level of wealth that we could receive or gain. Contentment comes Contentment comes when we open our eyes to an existence bigger than this life or what you may have in the pantry or what you might have in the closet or what you might have in the garage or the trip that you may or may not be able to go to on spring break. That true contentment comes when we recognize that our life on earth is short, eternity is long, and God's taken care of it, that is eternity. True contentment relies on a person named Jesus and on the empty tomb. And, and that's where we need to start when it comes to being filled with thanks. Um, th- there's another thing that I think we need to recognize though too. It's our, our first fill-in for today. That the affluence of American life has led to a misconception of blessed. The affluence, the, the wealth, the ease of American life has led to a misconception of blessed. Do you know how the Bible defines blessed? Blessed is when you have enough food to eat for the day, you have clothes to wear, and you have a place to live. You are blessed, the Bible defines, when you have the basic necessities that you need. Anything more than that is frosting on the cake. And do you know that for millennia, people who lived on this earth had the same definition of blessed, at least most people. That if I have what I need for today, what more could I ask for? (laughs) I'm blessed. But we've spent our lives in a country and in a time when we've experienced a type of lifestyle that has rarely ever been seen by a culture. You can go over history and you can see kind of the, the aristocrats or the, the high echelon type of people throughout history, maybe in the Roman Empire or in other empires experience just this great affluent life. But when it comes to an entire culture, an entire people, there's nothing like what we've experienced in our lives historically. That doesn't mean it's going to be around forever, but we need to recognize that the affluence of American life has led to a misconception of what blessed really looks like. I was listening to a podcast this past week, and one of the guys speaking on there said something that struck me, and and I don't know if it's absolutely true or not, but it, it gave me pause to think. He said, when you look over history and you look at what most of history would be like for people in their day to day lives, Most people live through circumstances, highs and lows, difficulties, life being threatened that is more similar to the year 2020 than to what we have experienced over the last century or the last 30 years or whatever we might want to say or whatever it might be. You see, no matter how this year has gone, the, rec- the, the reality is, is that we have been blessed. We've been blessed for so long that it's been easy to take it for granted. 
We live in a, a sin-filled world where things are not going to be perfect. And we're seeing that this year. But that does not mean that there are not things to be thankful for. So that's where we started last week, that we have reasons to be thankful. Today, I want to continue the study by looking at this question. What does thankful look like? So we've been blessed. We have reasons to be thankful. Now, what does a thankful life look like? And maybe a part of you is thinking, well, thankful really doesn't look like anything because thankful is more of a feeling. It's more of an attitude of the mind. And if you were to look it up in the dictionary, yeah, it is more of a thought process, but not biblically. Thankful may start with what's in your mind, but that's not all of it. And in fact, when you look through scripture and when you look at the, the teaching of Jesus today, the feeling, it's not even the most of it or the biggest part of it. We're going to uh, look at a pretty familiar miracle that Jesus did and then see what he was trying to teach through that miracle about what does thankful look like. So we're going to turn to um, Luke's biography of Jesus. Um, He's the one that after Jesus died and rose again, he uh, went around, he was commissioned to write a biography of Jesus. So he went and interviewed a whole bunch of people, probably uh, as many disciples as he could talk to. He, I'm sure, interviewed Mary as he wrote the Christmas account that we know all about. And then he put together an orderly, God-inspired biography of Jesus. One of the things that he included in that biography was this miracle. Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they, they yelled at him. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. 10 lepers, yelling at Jesus to have mercy or pity on them. And I want to talk a little bit about leprosy. You see, uh, I think probably most of us know that it was a type of skin disease, but I think many of us maybe either don't know or have forgotten just how brutal, how brutal of an illness it was. So it would start as uh, flakes on the skin, and and essentially what would happen is your body would kind of eat away at itself through this disease. And so the flakes would turn into lumps, and the the lumps would turn into sores, and, and eventually fingers and toes would fall off as the body ate away at itself. And um, limbs, arms, and legs would become crippled, and you couldn't walk, and you couldn't hold things. And then internally, your body would eat away at yourself as well. And finally, you would die. That leprosy was a death sentence for 99.9% of people. And if that wasn't more difficult enough, the non-physical aspects of leprosy were just as difficult. Imagine hearing, and maybe this year, we don't have to imagine that hard. 
Imagine hearing that you have a disease that's going to kill you, and now you have to leave all of your family and all of your friends and to die on your own, or at least with other people who have the same disease. You see, leprosy was a highly contagious disease, and what they would do essentially if someone got it is you'd be quarantined for the rest of your life, away from your family, away from your kids, away from your loved ones. And then there was this on top of it, that skin diseases like that made a person ceremonially unclean. And we could talk a lot about what ceremonially clean and unclean means, but at the end of the day, what it, what it told or what, how it made a person feel is as if they were away from God as well, as if God was not pleased with them. And so you're gonna die a difficult death you're not going to be around your family. And the, the Jewish teachers of the day make you question or wonder whether God's with you either. A horrible, horrible thing. You can, you can uh, I guess, imagine why they called out in a loud voice. This was a desperate plea for help. Verse 14. Now, when he saw them, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Um, this kind of seems a little bit uh, weird, but at that time and in this culture, the priests were kind of the, the, the highest authority um, other than the Roman Empire at the time of Christ. And so they also had the final authority when it comes to saying whether someone had been cured of their leprosy could give the, the, the go to say, hey, you can leave the colony, the leper colony, and go back to live with your family. And this very rarely, if ever, happened that someone would be healed or that they'd be cured. But that's what Jesus said. Go show yourselves to the priest. Continues. And as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus didn't heal them in the moment. He had them walk through a valley, so to speak. He had them walk in faith and trust that Jesus, that God would heal them along the way. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. What happens next? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. He was praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Okay, so 10 people had leprosy. 10 lepers cry out to Jesus to be healed. 10 lepers are cleansed and healed. And how many come back? One. Only one comes back to thank God. Now this doesn't, even seem to be real almost. Like, how could that be? This most amazing thing happened in their lives where all of a sudden, not only do they have a new sort of hope in their earthly lives, but they get to go back to their families. They get to hug their wives and hug their children. They get to have a normal life again. How could only, well, how could only one leper be thankful? So much had happened for them and to them. How could only one leper be thankful? And, and this is where, guys, we, we get to the main point of the message for today. This is where we get to the tension 
that I want you to think about and to pray about, and we're going to have some application about when it comes to what it looks like to be thankful. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, or him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. If, if we chase down the other nine lepers who had been cleansed, and we ask them, aren't you thankful for what Jesus just did for you? Don't you feel thanks? What do you think they'd say? Absolutely. I'm so thankful. Jesus just changed my life. But what Jesus is teaching, you see that word return to give praise. What he is teaching is this, what thankful looks like. It's our next fill in that thankful, thankfulness isn't just felt in your heart. It's shown in your life. Thankfulness isn't just felt. It needs to be shown. You get this, right? Let me give you an example. I I want you to imagine that you're the one that's in charge of putting together the Thanksgiving dinner. Some of you don't have to imagine too difficult or too much, I guess, because that is what you're going to be doing. And that's a, a difficult task, and it's one with, a, you know, we sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make sure that everything tastes great, that the turkey's not too dry, that, um, that everything is just perfect, the ambiance is right, that the, the, the questions or the things we talk about around the table all goes well. There's, there's a lot of pressure that can be put on the Thanksgiving dinner, probably more than needs to be, right? But I want you to imagine that you're in charge and everything just goes smoothly. You've planned for this for two weeks. You spent a lot of time. You've looked up new recipes and used old ones. And it is just, it's exactly the way you wanted it. And it is good. And your family comes and they sit around the table and they eat and they talk and they eat some more. And you can tell they're loving the meal And there's good conversation going on and they're eating some more. And at no point in the dinner is there any verbal acknowledgement to you who spent two weeks planning for this thing. And likely you didn't do it to receive thanks, okay? But at the same time, even if that wasn't your motive, Let me just say this. It is absolutely rude not to say something to the person who has done all of this work. And if you were to ask the people around the table as they're eating this amazing dinner, whether they're thankful, they would say, yes, I feel thankful. But you know what? Unexpressed gratitude expresses to the person ingratitude, doesn't it? It's not enough to feel thankful. It's where it starts, but unexpressed gratitude, it expresses ingratitude. And that's what Jesus is teaching us too. This is true with people. It's also true 
as Jesus teaches this one leper and us 2,000 years later, it's true with God as well. That thankful people return and they give thanks and they express it. They don't just feel it. Now, um, as I was doing my study on gratitude and expressing it and joy, um, I found that God has wired us in a way where this expressed gratitude actually has a side benefit to it. It's motivated by what God has done to us, but it actually can make you a more joy-filled person. Um, there's a uh, professor and researcher <clears throat> named uh, Brene Brown. She's done a number of different TED Talks, but she's written on gratitude and joy. And I, I wanted to uh, read some of uh, her words from a book that she wrote. She writes, the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found in my research. I wasn't expecting it. She wasn't expecting what she found. In my 12 years of research on 11,000 pieces of data, I didn't interview one person who had described themselves as joyful, who also did not actively practice gratitude. And, and, and here's the rub. For me, it was very counterintuitive because I went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was this, that if you're joyful, well, you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was kind of the other way around. Instead, practicing gratitude, she found, invites joy into our lives. Practicing gratitude is the part that really changed my life that really changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean the attitude of gratitude. That's the feeling in the heart. In Brene Brown's research, she says, or feeling grateful, I mean actively practicing gratitude. And there's, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different psychological reasons for this, but the reality is over 11,000 pieces of data, she found that people who actively express gratitude in one way or another tend to be more joy-filled people. Now, that's not the reason today I'm telling you to practice gratitude. Jesus Christ is the reason, but I want you to see how God blesses us as we follow him. God can bless us as we do what he directs us to do. So let's bring this back to our personal lives. You know, you think about an event like Jesus miraculously healing 10 lepers, and that's an amazing thing. And part of us might feel a little bit like, man, yeah, I wish I would experience something that great in my life. I wish God would do a miracle in my life and there's no doubt then that I would express gratitude. I want to think about that for a second and ask you a few questions. Would you rather be miraculously healed of leprosy? Or, or would you rather have never have experienced leprosy in the first place? How about this one? Would you rather have an amazing reunion with your family after being forced to leave them for years or 
have had the chance to be with them the entire time. Would you rather be saved from an incurable disease like leprosy or, or given eternal life because you were saved from sin? See, sometimes we're thankful because Jesus has done miracles in our lives. Other times we're thankful because he, through very natural means, kept us away from illness or blessed us with the things that we need through very natural means. We are no less blessed. It's just God gives that blessing in different ways. And this last one on the screen there, when it comes to being cured, do you know that although it's not recorded by Luke, all 10 of those men eventually died? It may not have been from leprosy, but there was a funeral at some point for all 10 of those men. You see, Jesus' healing of the leprosy was a band-aid that helped them for a little while. What Jesus gives to all of us through his death and resurrection is the true healing that we need. We have been given that which we need the most. And so as we try to apply this to our lives, not only the fact that we have been blessed, but secondly, that it's important to show our gratitude. Your application is this, number three. I would encourage you to spend some time today and this week. Maybe you can even narrow it down before this message is over to create a daily habit of gratitude. If you already have a habit like that, keep doing it. Continue with it. If you're watching online, it'd be cool if you'd write that daily habit in the chat box and share it with the other people that are watching as well. If you already have a daily habit of gratitude. But if not, it can be one of the most powerful and most important things that we do because it's not enough just to feel thanks. We need to express it. So here are some ideas. The first way or the first option I would say is by praying. If I could plan your day out for you, if you'd give me the, the, the opportunity, the, the right to plan your day, there would be two things that I would plan for you. That in the morning, one of the very first things you do is read a psalm of encouragement and pray for the Lord to guide, bless, and use your day. And the other thing that I would do if you gave me that right, I would say, I would ask you to end your day by verbalizing, by praying on two or three blessings from that day. Those two things, remembering that we start the day out with the Lord and we end the day in thanksgiving, there aren't better things we could be doing daily than that. So praying, um, kind of related to praying would be journaling. What if you again, wrote those down. Maybe it's in the sermon notes journal. Maybe it's a different one, but just write down what those things are that you're thankful for because some days it's harder to find them than others and how powerful it is to look back and to see what God has done in your life and to verbalize those through the active practice of also writing them down. The third thing is singing. I'm asking you, to 
work intentionally to transform your time in here. I mean, you could sing wherever you want, that's fine. But I'm talking specifically when we get together to worship in person or online. I think sometimes we spend too much time analyzing the song or is it too loud or too soft or do I like this one? Or do the lyrics match the graphics on the screen or why did they change the lights? Like we got to get out of that mindset and we got to recognize and it might mean that you have more of a smile on your face even though we can't see them right now but that how can we not sing and smile when it's all about thanking God. In fact, the psalmist writes this. He writes, sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Christians, we forget this. Sometimes it's just the thing we need to do before we get to the sermon. No, this is our opportunity to be active in our praise and in our thanks. So maybe your habit is to transform your mind when it comes to singing. And then the last one I want to talk about today would be serving. When you and I are active in serving the Lord, maybe it's at church, um, maybe it's in your neighborhood as you recognize the, the, the role that we have in being able to share the gospel with other people. It can look in a lot of different ways, but we actively thank God when we serve him and when we advance the message of Jesus through sharing the gospel. It's good to be intentional. And yet, as we close, I want to open your mind to something that can transform your life. Here's what Paul writes to some Christians in Colossae. Whatever you do, whether it's your words or your deeds, do all of it. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as you do it, you're doing it to give thanks to God the Father through him. You recognize that every day and everything we do is an opportunity to thank and to praise God. That as, as we lead our families in a, a way that leads to Christ, that we are thanking God. That when we, we respect our, our parents and we listen to them, we are thanking God. That as we are honest at work or at school, that we are thanking God that it can go on and on, but I'm going to say it this way. Don't limit gratitude to a point in your life. Remember, it's the point of your life. Don't limit gratitude to a point in your life. It's the point of your entire life. It's a new way to live. It's a new way to see your day that you and I have been blessed so much and now we can live out our lives with a renewed purpose to simply give thanks to God, to have our entire life be like that one leper who returned thanking God in how we live and in what we do. Because thankful is more than just a feeling. It's what we do with our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for 
all that you've given to us. And, and sometimes we just need to sit back and we need to think about um, all the ways that you have blessed us, so many ways that we take for granted that if we have more than we need, we are truly rich through your gracious hand. Lord, uh, as we consider that, inspire us to be thoughtful when it comes to creating a daily habit of gratitude. We do that. We do that because, because in thanks, we're not content to allow it to be a feeling, but instead we look for opportunity to say it, to show you, to live a life of thanks. Be with us all as uh, we look for ways to do that, not only this week, but always. In Jesus' name, amen.